Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Right, it is Friday at six o'clock, uh, and we are here to record an emergency podcast. Sean Watson is a Cleveland Brown. Uh, Dan Lobby with Mary Kay Cabot, Doug Lay Maurice, Scott Papsko. Wow, that that's really kind of the first word I think we have to say here. Um, Deshaun Watson. It seemed like this was over. The Browns were out of the running, uh, and now he will become a member of the Cleveland Browns. So I guess let's just start here and there's a lot to get into and let's just acknowledge off the top this is complicated we're kind of doing this off the cuff um so bear with us mary Kay, what was your reaction when you saw that deshaun watson was choosing the browns i was shocked i mean i was truly truly shocked i had been working all all day on a bunch of different things like you know the way that you do when you know that baker mayfield wants out and you're trying to figure out how that all went down and just trying to just work the phones. And I really, I knew that things were going down with the Cleveland Browns because they wouldn't, nobody would answer me on a bunch of things that I was trying to figure out. Uh, I have made so many phone calls today. I've texted so many people today and it, there were things going on, but I certainly did not think it was this. I had no idea. I had no idea that they had gotten back into the Deshaun sweepstakes and I was completely, completely blindsided by this. And I absolutely did not see it coming in any way, shape, or form once he told them that they were out of it. And they were the first team that he eliminated. Like it's Scott, I mean, I'll ask you the same thing. Just just that initial, like, you see the tweet. Because I think we were all like Mary Kay, right? Like, this was over. We had moved on. Uh, however you felt about it, it was behind us. But just that initial reaction when Doug, I mean, you, <laughs> you've actually got an interesting story yeah, yeah. about it. Yeah. Yeah. My, my first thought was, is this real, is this a real tweet? Is it a fake account? Because this would be like the biggest, worst way to get burned of all time, you know? Uh, so once I realized it was real, um, yeah, it was, it was very shocking. I think we had all kind of moved on. I mean, I emailed everybody on staff this morning. Hey, uh, what if it's Matt Ryan? Like, what if Deshaun Watson picks the Falcons? Maybe we should start talking about some uh, some storylines and ideas we want to pursue around Matt Ryan. Maybe he becomes available. And uh, well, that all went out the window really quick. So yeah, just totally surprised. I think this maybe tracks with what we've been telling people about all of the other aspects of free agency. Don't believe anything anybody tells you first few months of the year. Apparently that goes for uh, 
for Deshaun Watson too. So I watched Ohio State play in the NCAA tournament at 12-15, and then they were going to play the winner. They're going to play the winner of Villanova Delaware. So I was watching the Villanova Delaware game, and I had been up late writing. I wrote a story for Friday morning talking to six female Browns fans about how they didn't want Deshaun Watson here. And it's like, well, I still thought their voices should be heard, even though he wasn't coming. It's like they were disappointed the Browns even tried. So I fell asleep watching the Villanova game. And I woke up, my daughter had texted my wife and was like, is dad asleep? Like, why isn't he tweeting? What's going on? And it was like, there's big Browns news. And then when I found out, like my stomach dropped. So it's like, what do I really think about it is, like I said, like, I didn't, I didn't go, oh, it's like, I felt like a knot in my stomach. So at the very least, that's probably a knot, a knot of complication, right? That it's so chaotic and complicated. And what we've talked about before with the fans, it's going to divide the fan base again. But I also know, and I'm, we certainly are not pretending all Browns fans are against this. I know there are Browns fans who are celebrating today and they should, they should, you should be able to celebrate this. It's on one hand, it's just football. And, and that's an okay way to view it. Absolutely. I don't have to, people don't need me to mansplain that, but having talked to these six women for the past three days and talked to them about why they're, why they don't want it, why they love the Browns, but they hate the idea of the Browns chasing this guy who has 22 civil suits against him regarding sexual misconduct, and then realizing that for them, this came true. And they're representative of thousands and thousands of people who didn't want this, male and female, all races, all genders, all ages, in Cleveland and out of Cleveland. The people who didn't want this and thought, okay, it's not gonna happen. And now it happened. That's That's a tough day, man. There are people today that are breaking up with their team. Not, not half the fan base, but at least a few, that's a tough day. So we need to talk about it. I mean, we need, we need to get into it. And I, I don't think there's any other way to do it than just do it right off the top because it's, it's there. It's, it's the story. Whenever we get to talk to the decision makers, this is what we're going to be asking them. There are 22 civil suits. There are 24 accusers. Um, Deshaun Watson has admitted that there are more massage therapists who kind of vouched for him. So, so we're talking about using massage, like a, huge number of massage therapists just in general, which is its own sort of disturbing angle to all of this. Mary Kay, I mean, how are the Browns, do you think, going to justify making this move, especially to the fan base, to women who have survived sexual assault? How are they going to justify this? I don't know. I mean, it is a really great question, and we don't know what their strategy is going to be yet. I'm guessing uh, the fact that he has not been indicted on any criminal charges, that's when they got involved. That's when the other teams got involved. And I think that they felt that uh, once the legal process, at least from a criminal standpoint, played out like that, uh, that they felt comfortable with going after Deshaun Watson in such an enormous, enormous way. But obviously... Uh, it's not over yet. He still faces suspension by the NFL. They're going to, I'm sure they're going to have to suspend him. So he probably will miss some games in 2022. And then, as you mentioned, there are going to be these 22 civil suits that, uh, you know, if he he can settle them, I suppose, I mean, he just got a five-year, $230 million guaranteed contract. 
so I'm sure that uh, he can try to use some of that money to settle all or most of these civil suits and kind of make them go away. Uh, but this is an enormous part of his story. And the Browns are going to have to have a strategy. They have, they've thought long and hard about this. They've been looking into Deshaun Watson for a long, long time. They have thoroughly vetted him with security people. Uh, D Haslam sits on the personal con on the conduct committee. So they, they are not going into this without having thought long and hard about the ramifications, about the backlash, and about what this potentially could do to a large segment of their fan base and their perception you know, nationally and even, you know, worldwide, really. Um, so, it, you know, of course, we are all wondering how they are going to uh, handle this from a public relations perspective. They've got a lot of work to do. And I think that Deshaun Watson is going to have a lot of work to do. Uh, I think now that they brought him on board, uh, he is going to have to demonstrate that, uh, you know, that he is an upstanding citizen, that he is not uh, someone who commits sexual misconduct on a regular basis that he's not going to do it again. I think he's going to have to uh, make restitution. I think he's going to have to work with women's groups. I think he's going to have to do some community service. I think a lot is going to have to be done. This is an enormous, enormous story. And it's just this double-edged sword of Super Bowl contender, instant Super Bowl contender for the Cleveland Browns, and then this large sort of ugly piece of it over here. Doug, I, I mean, that, that piece of it, and, you know, again, look, this is always tough to talk about on podcasts because we're a bunch of football writers, right? We're just a bunch of football writers sitting here talking about this. But, you know, the, the cynical side of me feels like the Browns are kind of looking at this like, they'll kind of weather this storm because everyone does. And if this ends in Deshaun Watson hoisting a Lombardi trophy, that's kind of, I mean, that's what gets people paid. That's what get, gets people jobs. That's, I mean, nobody gets hired in the NFL for taking the moral high ground. That That's the cynical side of me, just kind of feeling like they'll take the necessary steps, I guess. But like, we've seen it before. Ultimately, you just kind of weather the storm. Is that unfair to the organization? No, I don't, I don't think so. I mean, it is one of those things that that's almost, that's what I think about that. What if this guy, I mean, if this works, he'll be leading a Super Bowl parade through the streets of Cleveland one day. And the people at that parade, when they look up and they see Deshaun Watson on the float holding the trophy, will they feel good about it? Or will they still have something in the back of your head? And how could it be that the Browns' first Super Bowl comes with some sort of, uh, like, that's awful. There's a Super Bowl should be nothing but joy and a celebration. And that there's, so, it's like, is that worth it? Is it worth, well, we got a Super Bowl. Yeah, but like, did you feel good about it? So I'm, I think there's the joy that a team brings you and there's the pride that you have in a team. The Browns over their history, especially the last 20 years, have not brought people a lot of joy. But there are people who have great pride in being a Browns fan because they have pride in Joe Thomas and they have pride in Nick Chubb and they have pride in Clay Matthews and they have pride in the people that have been Browns that they are proud to root for. And they've lost and they've suffered, but they've kind of suffered together. 
They've suffered with their family and their friends, and they still put on that jersey and they went down to the Muni lot and they turned on the TV and they had parties and they loved this team through all the pain. And now in pursuit of the joy, do you sacrifice some of the pride? Like, man, we won, but I don't know how I feel about that. That's a tough equation, man, because you all envision the Browns are going to win a Super Bowl someday. And when they win it, it should be the greatest party in the history of Cleveland. And if it's not because you're not sure about the guy who helped them get there, boy, ah, oh, that, that, uh, but how long do you shake that? You do a PR campaign and 18 months from now, it's all good. Like, I, is that what it's going to be? Listen, there are people who have done bad things everywhere in the NFL, everywhere in every sports league, in your life right now, every day in the streets of Cleveland and I'm walking the streets of Ohio. There's people who have done bad things. They live among us. They make restitution or they don't. They move on. If they're not criminally charged, they move on. So there's lots of fans saying like, hey, man, what are you being naive? It's the NFL. It's about winning. That's not wrong. But also the people who feel gross right now, they're not wrong either. So almost like that's that's what I can It's not that what if they don't win a Super Bowl with Deshaun Watson? That's not my question. It's what if they do? How will we all be feeling about it when it happens? Yeah, I mean, we look, eventually the football takes over. Right. I mean, we've, we've been through all this, like no matter, again, whatever you're feeling today, whatever you would feel on that Super Bowl Sunday, eventually the football takes over. I mean, we're, look, we're going to do it too. We're going to do it on this podcast. We're going to talk about this stuff and we're going to be in those rooms or on those zoom calls with Andrew and Kevin and hopefully the Haslams. And we're going to ask them these questions and, you know, you, you kind of try to keep it, you try to keep it up in the air, but like, at some point we just kind of go back to being football reporters and the football takes over and Scott, Sean Watson's going to be on the field eventually for the Cleveland Browns and he's going to win football games. And I guess it's going to be tough to reconcile that, I guess. I don't, I don't know if this one ever goes away, but I, I just, I don't know. Well, the good news is Super Bowl isn't tomorrow. The Super Bowl isn't for quite a long time. Um, and so there's a lot that is going to happen. A lot that can happen between now and then. Uh, if it, you know, if it in fact happens at all. Um, I mean, the first step in all this, and I'm, I'm really eager to see, I know we're going to hear from, you know, people with the Browns soon enough, but I'm, I'm, I'm guessing we might get statements in conjunction with, with this at some point. And so I'm really eager to see like what we keep, what we get from the Haslam's, what we get from Andrew Berry, what we get from Kevin fans. The wording is going to be important. Um, it's probably not going to change people's minds if they're against this, but I think there are certain things that need to be said and said a certain way to start off on the wrong foot or right foot here. Um, so I'm, I'm really kind of anticipating those and, and, and what those are going to look like, but yeah, you're right. At some point football is going to happen and, you know, that's what we do. I really try to not put emotions into my job and that's difficult because I do a job that is just like full of emotion everybody who reads our stuff is fueled by emotion um so I try to take myself out of that and just kind of focus on football and but I am eagerly awaiting those statements and and I'm I want to hear what people have to say I also want to see how they present this because normally, if you trade for a player like Deshaun Watson, you're going to get a video of him getting off the plane 
and you're going to get a photo of him signing his contract and it's going to say QB one and it's going to, he's going to walk in the building and it's going to be like, Whoa, here's Deshaun Watts. Like, here's like, you know, look what they did with Amari Cooper. It wasn't quite that big, but like, that's how you do these big free agent signings. And I'm very curious to see, and it will be telling how they present this because I don't think they can do all of those things. I think they have to kind of, you can't keep it low key, but I think from an internal perspective, they have to sort of downplay this, which I think says a lot because this is a significant moment in Brown's history. I don't know if they will though. I mean, I think they are so excited about this. I think that obviously they are, they just gave him uh, almost a record contract. I think a record amount of guaranteed money and um, you know, they gave up the farm for him with three first round picks a third, a fourth, and also then getting back a fifth rounder with Deshaun. Uh, so I kind of think that they are going to uh, be excited and roll out the red carpet and have all the fanfare. I, I think they will. And then do, I think, I mean, that do, they- do you really, I don't, I don't, I mean, do you really think they can post, they can make their poor social media manager post a smiling picture of Deshaun at a press conference with like QB one on top of it? I feel like they will. I mean, I, I think that they are going to try to get uh, the community behind him. I feel like they're going to try to get the fans behind him. And I think they're going to try to set the tone that this is a really good thing. And I think that they're also going to be very careful with how they handle the really bad thing. And I, I think that they are going to, I think they're going to do work. I think they're going to have to work on it. And they've got a lot of explaining to do. And, you know, who knows how long he'll, he could be suspended for a, a decent chunk of the 2022 season. So that'll be an impact, but I don't know. I, I, I think the fact that they went all in for Deshaun Watson means that they are really excited about this and they're going to show their excitement. Okay. We don't need to turn this into a marketing podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Can I ask a question that's like on my brain that I don't know if it'll break everybody's brain. It, maybe it's not worth talking about. If Deshaun Watson was a Cleveland Brown when all these things happened, would they have felt like they would have been forced to trade him? Or would they have weathered the storm with him? I think that's a great question. Um, And it's something I think I mentioned the other day in a a column I wrote. This is different than like if the Browns had Deshaun Watson and this stuff happened and they either made the decision to trade him or stand by him as opposed to like, trading for him, giving him the richest contract in team history and bringing all of this on, kind of knowing what's happened over the last 12 or 13 months. I I do think this is, I think it reads a little differently. The fact that they're, they're willing to bring this on as opposed to having it happen worse, right? Yes. Yeah. I I think it, I think it reflects more poorly on them than if, if it had happened to them while he, if they had taken him number 12 overall, and then four years later, this stuff comes out. I think it would have reflected whatever decision they made obviously would have affected how it got viewed, but I, I do think this is different. Cause you can't say, well, he did that stuff for another team. We're not worried about it. Right. That, that doesn't pass muster. Does it? Nope. That can't be the answer. Well, so especially no. cause it's still unresolved. It's still angry. So yeah. Listen, all of this, like bad things happen in life and you go through a process and then you, 
get past it, whatever that means, right? I mean, you, things linger to various degrees, but the idea that, hey, at some point, we'll just be talking about football. Well, that's how life works. You know, if, if something bad happens, you don't necessarily every day wake up and just talk about that bad thing again and again and again. You go on to the good things and the bad stays with you and you grieve it and you work through it. And obviously, but yeah, like of, of course we're going to move on. That's, I think that's normal. I don't think that's, I don't think that means the fans are bad or that we're bad or that anybody, again, in the 2023 football season, if we're talking about, man, Deshaun Watson, he threw three touchdown passes today. That's normal. But also like, just to be like, this is also normal. Like the thing is right now and it feels weird. So it's all a process, but we have to do this now if we're ever going to get to the point where we just talk about football with Deshaun Watson. And there is precedent in, in professional sports for things mm-hmm. like this happening with some superstar players. And so we do have examples that we can look to and say, you know, how did those cities handle it? How did those players handle it? How did the fans uh, respond to those players? And it seems in the situations that I'm thinking of, like with Ben Roethlisberger and Kobe Bryant, uh, it seems like it got to the point where it was really all about the football with almost a footnote of yes. And also this thing happened, right? I mean, Kobe Bryant was revered. I mean, he he was more than anybody almost in sports. And uh, so it became about uh, the person that he at least became himself. And it became about what he brought to the table uh, from an athletic standpoint. I mean, those guys basically for the most part uh, overcame it. And again, for them, it became part of their story, but it did not define them. And I think going forward, that's, that's what Deshaun Watson and the Browns, it's going to be incumbent upon them to, to try to make sure that, you know, this becomes part of his story, but it isn't, you know, larger than life. But in doing so, I think work needs to be done. I, I think, you know, I do believe in second chances. I do believe people can change. And if, uh, you know, if he does lose some of the, the lawsuits and he is suspended and, uh, you know, and, and he is found to be guilty of, of some of these accusations, then I just think he's got, he's got a lot of work to do. He's got to show people uh, that, that he is, is not a bad human being and, and someone that commits these kind of, of acts or that at least he will not ever do it again in the future, right? I mean, with 24 people saying the same thing, I think we can all agree here that bad things happen, okay? I mean, I, it would be really hard to try to, you know, to, to justify that perhaps maybe, you know, this, this, that wasn't the case. But, you know, moving forward, everyone just has to know that this can never happen again. And the two things, again, to Dan's point, Roethlisberger and Kobe, it happened with their teams that they were with their whole career. It's, no, it's not like the Nuggets traded for Kobe or, or the, you know, the Oklahoma City traded for Kobe and said, hey, let's take that on. So I do think that's a difference. And, and in terms of second chances, again, no criminal uh, charges, but at the very least, many women were upset by the interactions they had with him at, at the very least. And I'm not sure that's a second chance. It's like an eighth chance or an 11th chance. This is like, 
there's some sort of continued behavior here that at the very least made many multiple women uncomfortable and upset. And I do think that's different. You know, that's, that's, so yes, I think those are valuable things and I'm sure we'll dig into all of that. All these players, again, we're not acting like Deshaun Watson is the only professional athlete who's committed bad actions or been charged or alleged to have committed bad actions, but there's a, allegedly a pattern here that I think is something that also the idea of like, I won't do anymore. Or like, Oh, you know, I'm not really, it's not one. It's not one civil suit. It's more than 20. So I think that is a little different. And, and I think that's something that probably like whatever kind of statement we get from Deshaun Watson, I think it would go a long way in including some of those things that you said about acknowledging that, uh, there are a lot of people hurt in situations he was in, right? Um, I, however you want to word that. But I think there needs to be some acknowledgement because I think coming out and doing a blanket denial, although I believe, trying to remember what I read, some he said was consensual or he claimed was consensual. Um, but for the most part, a, a blanket denial saying, I didn't do this, the truth will come out. That's the kind of thing I think is a hard sell for a lot of, a lot of fans. Um, I think a lot of people are probably looking for some sort of acknowledgement um, and empathy on his part. Yeah. Okay. So uh, look, we're, we're going to get more into this stuff. Obviously this is complicated. There's also a football side to this and, and we do want to spend time talking about the football side. So uh, we'll, we'll take a break and do that. But I, I just felt like, you know, I think we need to acknowledge this. I think we need to talk about it off the top. Um, I, I think just kind of celebrating this as a football move maybe wouldn't have, have been appropriate. I would also um, just to recommend a podcast that isn't in our, uh, isn't in our sphere, but it's worth a listen if you want to learn more about this. Uh, Mina Kimes had Jenny Brentis on um, recently, and she did a lot of coverage of, um, of the cases, and they had a really good discussion about it towards the end of one of her recent podcasts. So maybe go look for that too, if you want to uh, learn a little more about the situation and, and what has happened. But we're going to take a break. And then, yes, we are going to have a football discussion about Deshaun Watson. And we are back on the Orange and Brown Talk podcast. So now let's get to the football side of this, because the reality here is, as Doug has alluded to, and I think as we all can agree, Deshaun Watson is the Browns quarterback makes them a Super Bowl contender, for sure. People maybe thought I was crazy to pick them to win the Super Bowl last year. Lots of people might pick them to win the Super Bowl this year now. So let, let's start with this contract, Mary Kay. This is a, uh, I actually have your story pulled up here and I need to look at it. Five years, $230 million fully guaranteed. So in your mind, how much of this had to do with the Browns roster, which was certainly a part of it, and how much of it had to do, especially with the Browns kind of getting back into it, with them being willing to say, we're basically going to guarantee you the most money anyone's ever been guaranteed in the NFL. Well, I think they felt they had to do that. I mean, they were eliminated from these sweepstakes and it was really down to the saints and the Falcons. And if they were going to acquire Deshaun Watson, they had to come big. They had to come big with the money. And the other thing that they did, and I'm going to, I have to look into this. We started, we jumped onto this pod not too long after this all happened and we got to write a little bit and I need to delve into uh, the first year of the contract only being $1 million so that uh, if he is suspended, uh, 
And that comes out of his base that he's not losing a bunch of money. And I've seen uh, that people have had an issue with this on, uh, on social media that, you know, that the Browns are helping him uh, to not have to pay uh, a lot of money in terms of missing out on his paychecks in 2022. So that's a whole nother thing that we'll probably get into a little bit more down the road once we delve into it ourselves. But I think the fact that they went out and they threw all of this money at him, it had to be the reason why he's here. I mean, he wasn't planning on coming here. He liked their presentation, but he really didn't want to, to play in the AFC North. He really didn't want to play in this kind of weather. He did not like and enjoy that 10-7 game uh, that the Texans lost in 2020. No, Nobody enjoyed that game, to be fair. Nobody no. enjoyed that game. <laughs> um, so he really didn't want to, and, and I've been saying before, it's not just First Energy Stadium. You've got to go to Pittsburgh, and you've got to play in the cold there, and you've got to go to Cincinnati, and you've got to play in the cold there and other places too. So, um, so I think that it was the money. The money clinched the deal and perhaps the way they set it up uh with the one million dollar base in 2022 you know that could have been uh another thing that got this thing done and maybe that's something that the really incredibly brilliant front office of, of the cleveland browns thought to do and maybe other teams didn't necessarily uh decide to do that or whatever the case may be again that's going to take some reporting but uh you know, it, a lot of times it comes down to the money and I think 5,230, which makes him the second highest paid quarterback in terms of yearly average. It gives him an average of $46 million. That's now second only to Aaron Rodgers, And it's right above Patrick Mahomes. And I think that's also significant that placement of the average uh, players are big on that. Agents are big on that. That average money is, is what they all, uh, you know, rank themselves at. So, um, so yeah, I, I think the money got the deal done. And uh, I mean, not just the money, they had the best roster to offer him as well. And the best chance to win a Super Bowl. And, and it was funny, because after it happened, my husband was saying to me, you kept saying that you thought that he was going to pick the Browns, that you thought that I had this gnawing, nagging feeling that he was going to pick the Browns and I couldn't shake it. And I said, it, I said it on the podcast and I said it on the radio the other day too. I just had the feeling that, you know, there's just so much to offer here. And if you put that PowerPoint up, like we were talking about, and you see Miles and you see Denzel, you see Nick, Jack, Kareem, Amari Cooper, and whoever they're going to pick with the second round pick, uh, there, there's a lot to like about the Cleveland Browns right now. And I think he viewed it as an opportunity to win not just one, but multiple Super Bowls. But the PowerPoint and the roster didn't work because he said, no, it has to be the money. Right. Right. That like as everything you're saying is true, but that they were fourth on PowerPoint and roster. And the last day he didn't say, you know what? Harrison Bryant's better than I thought. <laughs> you know, that's not what whatever they did right at that how much they gave him, however they structured the contract, which again, feels a little gross, frankly. I know, I guess, apparently the Patriots did it with Tom Brady too. You shrink the base because they fine you, you lose the game checks off the base and then everything else is a bonus and that doesn't get taken away. I mean, like it, it feels like a, a you're sort of gaming the system a little bit or that it's, it's like, okay, well, he said no. Well, how about this much? No. Well, how about this much? No. And like on some level like that, I'm, 
of course, players pick teams based on money and free agency in every sport all the time. We get that. But I almost think that makes this feel a little bit worse. That it was like, nope, he didn't want the Browns. Okay, everybody took a sigh of relief or disappointment, whatever it was. And then the Browns just gave him whatever they had to give him to make it happen. So is that genius or is that desperation? Is that giving up the farm? We'll do whatever it takes. I guess it depends on your viewpoint. Well, but I would like this. to think it was the roster. I don't think it was the roster. Well, no, I'm not saying that it was the roster. I said at the outset that it was the money. I did say that it was the money. Yeah. Coupled with uh, the fact that when he left here, he was dazzled by the roster. He was dazzled by Andrew Barry. But he really didn't want to play, from my understanding of it, really didn't want to come to the AFC North, really kind of want to stay uh, in the NFC South where he feels comfortable, either wanted to go home, wanted to play, you know, with the Saints. But, you know, the money put it over the top. But I don't think that, I mean, the money wasn't going to help if it was the Jaguar. You know what I mean? I, like, I think he needed a really, really good roster that he could look at and say, I can win a Super Bowl with this team. And, oh, by the way, I'm getting $5 million for five years for $230 million. So the money was the clincher, but they also had a lot of really, really good things in that presentation. And, um, and you know, I just, it, it's, this is the point I want to make. Last night, after Baker Mayfield asked to be traded, the Browns looked at their, looked into their crystal ball and it was not pretty. Okay. It was not pretty. They were in a situation where they were going to have to bring a disgruntled quarterback who finished 27th in the NFL last year with an 83.1 rating, bring him back and try to start him next season. That's what they were faced with. And then after that, who knows, who knows where they were going? Because if you win enough games, you weren't not going to get your hands potentially on one of the good quarterbacks coming out in the draft next year. So they were going to find themselves in quarterback hell again. And I think that the events of yesterday and, and how this all went down, they were like, no, we're going to seize the moment and we're going to go get this guy and we're going to deal with the fallout. We're going to deal with the PR backlash and we're going to make this work and we're going to go win Super Bowls. I think the Browns did a really good job of spreading out the picks that are involved in this. I was kind of surprised um, when I saw that come through. They obviously get to Sean Watson. They get a 2024 fifth rounder. They're only giving up one pick from this year, obviously the first rounder and then first rounders in the next two years, but they've still got five picks in the first four rounds this year. Um, and then in 2024, or I'm sorry, 2023, uh, you, you still got two picks in the first three rounds. You know, you're only giving up the first rounder and the third. And then the year after that, you're basically swapping a fourth and a fifth. So uh, I think from that standpoint, yeah, the first rounder hurts. First rounder becomes Deshaun Watson, but uh, they do have a chance to add guys who, who you would kind of expect to come in and have an impact right away. So I was kind of surprised at how well they spread it out. Well, and, and those draft picks become important because, you know, we've seen with like the Rams, for example, right? We've given up so many picks. It's those day two picks and some of those early day three picks that can take you from being a team with a lot of talent to a team with guys that can win the Super Bowl or like you can lose yeah. John Johnson and you replace him. Um, so, so those picks become really important in all of this too, uh, as well. 
Doug, I think one of the words you said, though, is, is really important. Desperation. And Mary Kay, you touched on I mean, this team was sort of in a position where it was like, are we really going to have to fly to Austin, Texas and convince Baker Mayfield to want to start for us for another year when we've already said, hey, we don't think we can win big with you? Like, this was this very much feels like, at least in part, a desperation move. And that's why they were in this place to begin with, right? If they had a quarterback or if Russ Wilson had said yes to them or if Aaron Rodgers had become available and really wanted to play with Alex Van Pelt, we probably wouldn't be here having this discussion. But, you know, their window is open right now and they're kind of desperate to fix that one position that they think is holding them back. And that's, that's kind of why you, you go out and try to weather this storm, I guess. They need better quarterback play, right? So, I mean, that's, that's obvious. If they felt like they got to a point where Deshaun Watson was the only available answer, then, okay. Which is, which is I, kind of what it feels like, though, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. Yes, but, it but, does. But I do think, but again, listen, everyone's searching for franchise quarterbacks. That's, we've talked about that since this podcast started. You know, Jimmy Garoppolo and draft Malik Willis is it's not insane. You know, uh, my half written Desmond Ritter is Deshaun Watson light without the baggage is in the system and we'll never see the light of day now. Right. I mean, we can't quarterbacks come into the league stuff becomes available. The idea they'd be too good next year, trade the three picks. I mean, the Eagles weren't terrible when they traded to get Carson Wentz with the Browns. Right. I mean, Jared got teams trade up. It's, I, I think that to let them, not to let them off the hook, I just don't view it as it was Deshaun Watson or they were never going to get another quarterback. They were just going to keep trying, right? So he's a, he's a sure thing on the field, for sure. He's one of the five best quarterbacks in the league. He's a sure thing on the field. He's the best quarterback this organization's had since Otto Graham. No offense to Bernie Kosar or Brian Sipe. I don't know. Scott, that's your story. So I get it. I get it. But I don't, I don't think they were I think to view it as it was like either going to be angry Baker Mayfield or Case Keenum as their only options I don't I don't quite see it like that either I don't know I think and, and Mary Kay you might agree with me I, I think giving up three first round picks and paying a guy 230 million guaranteed is pretty desperate mm-hmm. yeah I, I agree and and the reason why uh why I think that is because you know, this is, there are very, very few elite quarterbacks in the NFL. Okay. There are, you know, five, six, seven elite, elite quarterbacks. Now we are in the midst of a renaissance of quarterbacks in the NFL, the likes of which I've never seen before. These quarterbacks are amazing now. Um, But he is right up there with the best of the best. And he hasn't had organizational stability. He really hasn't had, uh, you know, a really, really good roster uh, around him, you know, with this kind of a running game. And he, he's had some good rosters, but uh, you know, this is a pretty comprehensive roster with a good running game and a good offensive line. And um, you know, I, I think that they, they saw this as their chance to grab the brass ring. You're not necessarily really going to grab the brass ring if you end up with Matt Ryan, they were never interested in Jimmy Garoppolo. That was never happening. I've been saying that for weeks and weeks and weeks. And even though there was a report this week that that might happen, it wasn't going to happen. Um, They, if they were going to do something, it was going to be uh, give us Russ 
give us Aaron. And you know what? I bet you that somehow, some way, they inquired about Tom Brady because that's the level that they're looking for right now. They wanted the best of the best. They want to get to the Super Bowl. They watched the playoffs like the rest of us did. They watched what it takes to get there. And you really do, for the most part, these days, need a Deshaun Watson type of player to win a Super Bowl for you. It's yes. hard. I, I, just right. On the football merits, I think it's indisputable. It's worth it. I just wanted to say that. Because I know this is the football part, and we're processing our feelings, and we're moving to the football part. I don't know that anybody anywhere is disputing the football part. Scott, right? I don't know. No one's saying, oh, that's too many picks. That's not a real thing. No, and, and yes, he is the best quarterback in Browns history since Otto Graham, which, I mean, is a bit of a sad commentary on the history of Browns quarterbacks that the best mm-hmm. one was a guy, the first one, and the guy who hasn't played since 1955. Um, but uh, yeah, Deshaun Watson is is next in line for sure. And, and this is the other reality too, right? Like, yeah, I remember there was a time when we talked about like maybe the Browns are setting this up perfectly where the AFC North is going to take a step back and they're going to be ready to step in. Right. It's, it felt like that at one point as Ben was getting older and Bengals never had a quarterback and they're, you know, they fired Marvin Lewis and that team kind of fell apart. And, you know, Baltimore was Baltimore was Baltimore. They ended up drafting Lamar Jackson. We didn't know how that was going to work, but now you're looking at an AFC all of a sudden Patrick Mahomes comes out and is like, potentially the best the, the most talented quarterback we've ever seen you've got Justin Herbert you've got Russ now you've got Joe Burrow you've still got Lamar Jackson who's won an MVP um I'm obviously forgetting somebody here you've got all oh Josh Allen sorry Mary Kay I forgot to mention <laughs> Josh Allen <laughs> no problem you've got a whole bunch of really elite level quarterbacks um and like that, you've got to have a guy to compete. Just do. You've got to be able to go in to Kansas City and go toe to toe with Patrick Mahomes or go toe to toe with uh, this is where Scott jumps in and tells me the Browns own the Bengals. Go toe to toe with Joe Burrow twice a year. Um, I mean, you've just, Justin Herbert, we've seen what the Chargers have done this offseason. You've got to be able to do that. And that's a part of the equation here, too. And I do, yeah. I mean, can you imagine being a Steelers fan right now? I mean, I, you know, there's Steelers fans being like, oh, Mitch, Mitch Trubisky. Oh, cool. I hope we play the Browns twice in the first four weeks of the season. That's what they're yeah. hoping. <laughs> you know, what's ironic about this too, obviously, is the fact that that 2017 draft, which was just so pivotal in so many ways, uh, the Browns had, and I probably will write a little something about this uh, today or tomorrow, but the Browns had Mitch Trubisky as the number one quarterback on their board that year. They weren't the only ones. A number of teams had Mitch Trubisky uh, number one on their board, including the Bears who traded up to get him. Uh, so they had Mitch there at number one. They, uh, they did not have Patrick Mahomes or Deshaun Watson valued highly enough in that draft. They didn't, and the reason, part of the reason why they didn't is because there was such a disconnect back then in the organization between Hugh Jackson and Sashi Brown. And it was, it was a mess. I mean, it was just a mess. And therefore they just couldn't get it together and have any organizational consensus on the picks on the, on the quarterbacks. They just, they didn't have it. And Hugh and Greg Williams, they did not want Mitch Trubisky at number one overall. They wanted, 
they 100% wanted Miles Garrett. And then when it came to Patrick and Deshaun, ah, they liked him, you know, Q liked them a lot, but uh, nobody liked them well enough to try to trade up from number 10 to get them. They, I mean, number 12 to, to get, you know, to get Patrick or Deshaun. So they, they passed on a chance to climb up a couple spots and get Patrick. And then when it came to number 12, if you guys recall, if we recall, if we recall, (laughs) it's burned into the brains of every Browns fan. (laughs) Trade down. We might have some new, uh, new listeners here, but, um, but Hugh Jackson, remember he was, he was pushing for uh, Malik Hooker, safety Malik Hooker there at number 12 overall. And, and they, they blew it. I mean, they really blew it there at, at number 12. Now, having said that, having said that, on one hand, they blew it from a fo- football standpoint, but they were then spared the biggest blemish and the biggest controversy in the history of the Cleveland Browns or Cleveland sports had this all happened on the Browns watch, right? So they didn't take him. But then when he went through the whole, all the accusations, I thought, wow, the football gods saved them on that. But it's just, it's just so bizarre now that you've got, now you've got Mitch. It's just so weird. You've got Mitch here in the AFC North. Now they went back all these years, got to Sean Watson. And does it, nobody wants to bring up my, uh, my little conversation with Dabo Sweeney at the Senior Bowl in 2017. <laughs> um, Go ahead, Dan. Well, I, I was just, I, I saw Doug's face. Him and I probably both had about the same thought as, as you were saying the, the thing about had those things happen while he was here. Well, then they just went out and traded for him after yeah, all was, those things I know. happened. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, hey, uh, hey, football gods, I know you spared us, but we've got $230 million burning a hole in our pocket. Can you send them our way? We'll right. Take it. I mean, I know. And it is, it's ironic and I'm not justifying it in, in any way, shape or form. It's just it's just really bizarre that they had him right there in the palm of their hands and they were a dysfunctional organization at that time. But I think Andrew Barry really loved the football player, but you know, he, you know, he wasn't necessarily, he really wasn't the one making the decisions. Sashi was making the decisions at that time. Uh, and he was being pulled in a bunch of different directions and Jimmy was in the middle of everything. And it was just a big mess. And now here they are with Deshaun Watson. So let- Oh, go ahead, Scott. I was going to say that the big difference today, uh, as opposed to yesterday, like we mentioned all those quarterbacks that uh, are in the AFC now. Um, Yesterday, the Browns were hoping to compete with those players, with Baker Mayfield. Today, they're expecting to compete with them and beat them with Sean Watson. That's like, that's how much things have changed here in the last 24 hours. I know there's all the baggage and everything, but as a football team, that's, that's what's changed. That's huge. Um, and by the way, I saw a tweet. Uh, apparently, Baker Mayfield has told the Browns he'd prefer to be traded to the Colts, but he remains open-minded. Well, Baker, I got news for you, buddy. The Colts just traded a guy who basically had statistically your best season, and he wasn't good enough. Yeah, and I've, I've been writing that about Baker for, for a while, all the way, uh, yeah, a few days ago, I started writing about Baker wanting to go to the Colts. And yes, that definitely is uh, his first choice of a landing spot. But it's my understanding that the Browns weren't 
we're not exactly fielding a bunch of calls for Baker Mayfield starting yesterday when he has to be traded. There were no calls yesterday. Josina reported that the Seahawks may have inquired today, but the phone wasn't ringing off the hook. So, oh, go ahead, Doug. No, I just like from, again, from the, what they're giving up and the football standpoint and stuff, I think it is, they've built the roster back to the roster conversation. They have young players that they can take the hit on not having a first round pick for three years. Like right. they really can, because yeah. it's like they had two first round picks last year. Cause JOK is like a first round pick and Greg mm -hmm. Newsom played like a first round pick. So like mm -hmm. you got an extra one there. They have the two extra third round picks this year and next for the GM going to Minnesota. That helps. Maybe they'll get a, something for Baker. Right. But again, it's one of those when you're, when you're desperately needing every first round pick to step in and be a starter, cause you've got to plug all these holes on your roster. Then it really hurts to give this stuff up. It, they've hit on enough of these guys lately. They have enough good young talent that they'll be okay. And by the way, I just want to pour one out for Garrett Wilson. Goodbye, Garrett Wilson. Good luck wherever you <laughs> land. How do, how do you feel about uh, what's the Purdue, what's the Purdue guy's name? David Bell. Not as big on David Bell. Hope George Pickens lasts till round two. This Christian Watson guy is super athletic from North Dakota State. Jahan Dotson, I think, comes into play potentially if he falls a little bit. So it's a good receiver draft. And I'll be curious if they still wind up going receiver um, in the second round because it still feels like they need somebody there. Mm -hmm. But but they they're okay. They really are. And and there is, they do deserve credit for building up to this point to be able to absorb the hit of giving up these many picks. It's not going to blow. And again, if they win, it's going to be like, oh, it's the 26th pick in the first round. It's like, okay, well, that guy's not necessarily a, a franchise changer anyway. Some um, of the people they've, they've released could turn into compensatory picks in the coming years, right? Landry and Treader, Hooper. Um, I think they're all eligible to, to bring back something. The other thing too is like like when they extend Denzel Ward, they can make that contract fit. Uh, they they can do some gymnastics there and make that fit as they go through that. Um, and the other look, these big contracts, Miles, Denzel, Deshaun, they're all designed to be renegotiated. I mean, Josh Allen when he signed his contract, I think just came out and said, "Hey, I signed a contract that allowed the Bills to renegotiate it. You know, I want to be here for ten years and have a good team and." I, I want the bills to come to me and renegotiate this when they need more space. So um, now with all, with all the money being fully guaranteed, I don't know how that changes things, but I, they're going to be able to renegotiate things if they need to. So just from a cap and money perspective, they're going to be able to always do those gymnastics and, and kind of move. I mean, the saints were going to free up enough cap space to sign this guy and they've been in cap hell for like five years. So again, not to turn this into a salary cap is fake discussion. Uh, <laughs> Real quick, we do need to talk about a potential suspension. If it's like, so Scott, you threw out four games. I think Ben got six games back. Oh, I just threw that out for whatever for year that was. Hypothetical, but yeah, what if he it's could like, more. what if it's like eight games? Kareem got eight games. Um, that was obviously not a sexual crime, but that was, you know, physical abuse. Um, if it's like eight games, how does that affect the Browns in 2022? Hugely, is that a word? Do you, Big, do you, just, you got Case Keenum starting half the season. Is that what we this? think it'll be? Is that what we think it'll be? Do we think Case Keenum stays now as a backup QB? Yeah, I mean, he got his $1 million roster bonus today. I, I've been, you know, waiting all day to find out what was going to happen with him. And 
the fact that nothing happened is that he has that. It doesn't necessarily mean that uh, that's the end of that story, but you know, he can step in and start for them. And as I mentioned before, you know, I think they would like to have someone that can hit the ground running with, with these guys and has some familiarity with the roster and with the system and all that kind of stuff. I mean, in terms of a backup in this type of situation, I don't think that's the worst thing in the world for them. So as of right now, I think they probably will move forward uh, in, in that way. What are the chances of Baker just sticking around and starting while Deshaun's suspended? That's out. That's definitely That's out. out. Well, if That's it was out. if okay. it was eight cool. games, it could take you up to the trade deadline. Yeah. yeah. Just I just wanted to double, you know, just double check. Get some <laughs> stuff on tape, you know. What if they went out and got Marcus Mariota to be the backup and he played the first eight games? I think that's maybe more a better comp for what you're getting uh, performance-wise from Deshaun Watson than Case Keenum, just in things you can do physically. Well, with his cap number being so low for 2022, you can you can do something else like that. And the other thing, and I said this long ago when we thought that they were in the Deshaun Watson sweepstakes, is, hey, Jarvis, how you doing? Want to come back? I mean, why not? Want to play, play quarterback for eight games? <laughs> yeah. yeah, that too. That too. There will be opportunities to throw the ball. But, you know, I mean, if I'm Jarvis, I'm walking across hot coals to come back here now. This is all he's ever wanted is to win a Super Bowl here. Now he's got the chance. Why leave when the getting's good? All right. Here's, here's oh, an issue. Ahead. I'm waiting to see how it's resolved. Deshaun Watson has worn number four his entire career. Anthony Walker has that number. I think Deshaun Watson has enough money to get number four if he wants it. Anthony Walker oh. signed for like five million bucks. I think Deshaun Watson can talk him into selling <laughs> that number Maybe. four jersey. Yeah. Okay, I think we covered everything. Um, you know, look, like I said, off the top, I know there's a lot of you that don't want to hear us talk about the football mm-hmm. side of this. You know, that's why we, we went so heavy in the first half on the other stuff. And we'll continue to, to kind of address that stuff and, and work through it as, as we need to. And again, we'll hear from Andrew Barry. We'll hear from Kevin Stefanski. We'll hear from Deshaun. Um, and look, we'll ask him the questions. We promise we will. So uh, stick with us as we kind of work our way through this. And uh, Deshaun Watson is a Cleveland Brown. So appreciate everyone for listening. Make sure you're a football insider subscriber. Cleveland.com slash Browns, the blue banner at the top of the page. Uh, we were texting out a lot of information about this as it was happening. Uh, and then also make sure you subscribe to this podcast wherever you listen. Just search the Orange and Brown Talk feed in your favorite podcast app. So for Doug, Mary Kay, Scott, I'm Dan. Thanks for listening, everybody. <laughs>